1: Gives me a good chance to check the next score. Baby. Oh, we're winning by 13 points. Austin Rivers has 25 points. What the fuck? <laughs> 25 points in 12 minutes. What got into Austin Rivers? Oh, my gosh. What's up nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert and I'm joined by my trusted co-host, the bringing me so much joy to Emmanuel Quickly existing. It's Adam Mamawala. Adam, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right. I'm very happy that you are happy with Emmanuel Quickly. <laughs> Look, he had a career-high 31 points. Maybe Tom Thibodeau will decide to give him more minutes than just the little bit that he gets here and there.
3: Oh, Tom Thibodeau can
1: give you more minutes if you need more minutes. <laughs> he is known for that. I want the meme of Tom Thibodeau plays players so much to happen to quickly. He's so, ah, I love it. It's a nice bright spot in my my life as a Nick fan and also uh, for Yarj J. Parrott, the fantasy basketball team. Thanks to Emmanuel quickly I was saved from having a second very bad week. But you know, things are, things are all right. Knicks have come back down a little bit to earth, but we've got Emmanuel quickly to rally
3: behind. Dude, my fantasy team is in absolute shambles. (laughs) I I did not just have one anomalous bad week. I also lost last week 11 to 1. Mm. I went from being in first place to now being in ninth place out of 10. And you know what? I took that personally.
1: You, I was going to say, seems like you're taking it personally. You are doing better than Jammed Off the White, which might be like best name, worst record in our fantasy league. Well, you and
3: I, I'm sorry to tell you, we're, we are two of the bottom three
1: teams, and I did not expect that. We are. But it's a long season. It is a long season. Uh, my best players, the, look, hello everyone, welcome to uh, Dream Team, where we talk about our fantasy teams. You know, <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> my team's, it's all right. All my good players getting injured, but people are coming back. Carly Anthony Towns got COVID. That wasn't fun. Prayers and a speedy recovery to him. But, you know... We're doing okay. I, I'm feeling better about J. Parrott as everyone happened to be injured and COVIDed last week, and it seems as if now they are coming back and playing basketball again, which is good. Yeah. And you know, I, I didn't make as many 3 a.m. wild uh, transaction moves this week because I'm actually happy with my roster. So look at me becoming a normal person. <laughs> I only added one person at 3 a.m. this week. And who did you add? I added T.J. McConnell, who is someone that I. Kind of know an old coworker of mine when I was an engineer. He was childhood friends with TJ McConnell. They played basketball together. They like grew up on the same street. They're legitimately very good friends. So I feel like I kind of know TJ McConnell, even though I don't. But I looked in the fantasy basketball of what my team was bad at. And my team was bad at assists, steals, and the assist to turnover ratio statistic. And TJ McConnell is very good at those three things. So I figured I should add this man to my basketball team. That's and very I did, smart. And he played well. And as we will reference later in the interview that we have at the end of this episode, gives me a reason to watch the Pacers now. There you go. I picked up Alfred Payton and I don't know why. Whoa, boy. Alfred Payton is the man that Tom Thibodeau is starting instead of my beloved Emmanuel quickly. And uh, right now he has one point at the half. Ooh, the game did just start. Testament to the dedication of of me in this podcast is that I'm not currently watching the Knicks game instead of recording this podcast. But don't wow. worry, I'll watch a replay of it. <laughs> See, you all don't hear this usually when you listen to these episodes, but typically there are a lot of sirens in
3: the back uh, when Mike is recording. And it seems like maybe we should record late at night. But then
1: we have to record late at night.
3: <laughs> right. During Nick's games that you would rather be watching.
1: I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, before we continue to talk about basketball, these stuff, we have to get ready. We have to prep. We got to, you know, put on our snap pants later so that we can break away all of the snaps for them before we take the court. <laughs> and we're going to do that in the Teal Memorial locker room. Teal is doing well. I messaged her the other day. Things are good. She's a real person. She's doing well. Real human person doing well. Not dead. Go teal. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I miss snap pants. Do do younger people know about snap pants? I I mean, for anyone unaware, it's as advertised, it's they all had snaps all down the side. It was a big thing when I was playing basketball in middle school, but wildly inconvenient. I, oh, nope. siren. See, uh, you jinxed see what I've it. done? See what I've done? They were way more inconvenient than convenient. I mean, I guess like trying to take them off around your shoes is annoying, but individually re-snapping all of the snaps was a hassle. It took way longer.
3: Well, the way you had to do it was you button the bottom one and the top ones and then you would just like kind of rip them off. That's how all the cool players did. It was like Mm -hmm, most mm -hmm. of them were
1: unbuttoned. Yeah. I feel like sweatpants went through technology when we were kids. I definitely had a pair of sweatpants that like zipped a little bit up the bottom so that you could get them over your shoe more easily. It was a big market back then if like people want to take off pants, but they don't want to take off their shoes. What do we do? (laughs) (laughs) A market inefficiency. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But anyway, we're going to get ready in the Teal Memorial locker room and you know who else just loves button snap pants, zip pants, all the sorts of adjustable pants, pants. I have a feeling it might be some of our new patrons. Plural. It's all of our new patrons. They all love these pants. So shout out to Trevor Catalano and a huge shout out to our newest producer level patron, Mitch Chrysler, and also shout out to Becky Hollingsworth and Jasmine Lori May, who both upgraded their pledges. Shout out to all of these new people. This is great. Thanks for the support. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you. We do, and of course we appreciate our existing list of producer level patrons: Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Adam Hartwick, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Catherine Lee, Shavon Ellsbury, Shoo-Bee-Doo-Bee-Doo, Doobadoo. God- look all busy, Steph Curry for three, bang, He Sells Seashells, LeBron James, Matt Barger, NBA legend Robert Zachary, No Jazz, No Pizza, Eileen Gazesh, Avatar Kiyoshi, Don't Go Chasing, Taco Falls, Anna Borgeli, and now Mitch Chrysler. Hell yeah, the ever-expanding list. I hope that it gets to the point where that takes up half the episode of just reading people's names. What, what a wonderful world we would live in if we have to complain, oh man, this list of people helping these guys do something and keep the show going. This list is so long. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great problem to have. You know what else is not a problem at all, but it is great to have? Very nice. Could it be our sponsors? It's our sponsors. No problem whatsoever. Thank you for sponsoring the show, sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So 2020's just been off to a raucous start. What a time it's been. 2021. That's See, that's how bad <laughs> 2021 is. I don't even know what year it is anymore because it all feels the same. What day is it? What year is it? What time is it? Who am I? What's my name? <laughs> if anything's interfering with your happiness, your productivity, Better help can help you. BetterHelp is not self-help. It's not a crisis line. It is professional counseling done securely online. It's also done safely because you don't have to travel. You don't have to go to a waiting room. You can do it all from the comfort and the safety of your own home. You'll get matched with a licensed professional therapist that you can start communicating with in under 48 hours. You can schedule weekly video sessions, phone sessions, whatever makes the most sense for your schedule, and BetterHelp wants to make sure this match is great, so you can very easily change your therapist and it is free of charge to do so. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener of horse, you can go to betterhelp.com slash horse, join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And as a horse listener, you will get 10% off your first month. So again, that's betterhelp.com slash horse, and you will get 10% off your first month. Love it. And also a shout out to our second sponsor for this episode. It is my bookie. Again, Adam, the the big game is coming up, isn't it? And there's bets to happen, aren't there, right? Are you talking about when the Bulls and Knicks play each other back-to-back nights in early February? Oh, that is exactly what I mean. We could bet on how many missed free throws there will be. (laughs) I think we might, even though
3: we might not uh, be watching the game at the same time based on how we're watching it, an Instagram Live for the Horse
1: fans might be in play. Something is in order. Maybe we will play Place bets on the game to increase the stakes and you know what we could do with? We could do it with my bookie. Yeah, we could. Also the Super Bowl, but you know. Yep. Mm -hmm. There's that one too. But with my bookie, it is incredibly easy to bet on the NFL, NBA, any sport that you are looking to bet on. They make it very simple to do so. You can also use their prop builder and live in-game betting. So every single part of the game, if it's football, the runs, the throws, the touchdowns, every single play that happens is a chance for you to put cash in your pocket. Their website is really easy to use. It's mobile friendly as well. And you you'll get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000 if you use our promo code HORSE when you make your first deposit. It's very simple. There's a lot of different ways that you can deposit. And again, you'll get matched halfway up to $1,000 if you use that promo code HORSE. So go play some bets, bet on the football coin toss. Why not? You got 50-50 odds, might as well. And uh, you can get matched if you use that promo code HORSE. I don't know if it's 50-50 odds. What if it lands vertically? Ah, Gonna have to do the research to see because that could be huge numbers. Now that would be a prop bet. That could be a big payout. That's gotta give you a big return. <laughs> yeah, like can you bet on someone else grabs the coin before it hits the ground? Ooh. Uh bird flies through and grabs a coin out of the air. Or if it's like two-sided coin like Harvey Dent. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's even a bet. Harvey Dent grabs the coin and then says something ominous. <laughs> it's not out of the possibilities. <laughs> well, do you do you think it's always darkest before the dawn for the Bulls and the Knicks? I think it's just always
3: dark. <laughs> yep that checks out
1: I don't even remember what Dawn is
3: I (laughs) I haven't seen Dawn since the year 2000 I was born into it molded by it Actually, I
1: wasn't. I was born into a great Bulls team and they've let me down ever since. <laughs> yeah. Anytime a team complains about being bad, like when the Lakers were like, oh man, we were bad for six years. We deserve this. It's like, shush. I had Alexi Shved as a starting point guard. <laughs> we traded actively for Andrea Bargnani. Don't talk to me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, uh, that wraps up uh, the two Memorial locker room. We can get into our first segment of the show. Full court press, get like the news. I do. So we're going to keep this brief because we have a really solid interview with two wonderful basketball-loving comedians that Adam knows. They're wonderful. They are Pacers fans and LeBron fans and just a a fun conversation to be had. But there is a little bit of news to recap. And, And one of the good things that has happened is that there have been fewer COVID scares since we last recorded an episode of Horse. So... Hopefully, whether it's players and coaches and everyone taking it more seriously or maybe the new restrictions that they've put into place are working, it's good to see that it seems like fewer games have been postponed because of COVID. That's very nice. Unfortunately, some players have still contracted it. Carl anthony Towns, as we mentioned earlier, seems like he's doing okay, though. Yeah. Hopefully, this can become less and less of a problem as the year goes on, but hopefully this is a trend in the right direction.
3: Right, and if nothing else, I think the really important part is that for any players who were skeptical about the new restrictions or upset about them, hopefully they're looking at this as an indication of like, Yes, these things are annoying, but it is actually helping.
1: Yes. And and hopefully the NBA doesn't just get complacent. Hopefully they can continue to try to make things better and better and increase whatever precautions they need to do. But hopefully this trend can continue and we just don't have any COVID scares going forward. Absolutely. Now, on the opposite of a good trend, there's been a recent bad trend, which is Shaq becoming a grumpy boy. We talk a lot about Shaq on the show. We talk a lot about grumpy boys on the show. And usually these are separate worlds, not a Venn diagram. But unfortunately, there's been a recent trend of Shaquille O'Neal being mean to current players during his broadcasting for no good reason. Right, because there was
3: always Shaq in a fool and it was more playful and, and clowning on people a little bit. But now it just seems like genuinely mean spirited and not. Not really for any particular reason, and it's frankly just
1: a bad look. Definitely. It's a bad look, especially because no one is coming at Shaquille O'Neal. There was a beef between Shaquille O'Neal and Dwight Howard because Dwight was setting himself up as the next Shaq. He also donned the Superman nickname, and he was a big man, and he would do post-ups and get rebounds and blocks and some of the similar stuff that Shaq would do. But like some of these current things that Shaquille O'Neal is beefing with players for are just silly. This all started with Shaquille O'Neal making fun of Rudy Gobert for getting this big contract. And Rudy Gobert, who plays for the Jazz, is not necessarily your typical star player. He's very good at defense. He's very good at blocking shots, makes dunks, and that's about it. He got a pretty big contract extension from the Jazz, and Shaq has been making fun of Gobert for not necessarily living up to that contract. But it's living up to it by Shaq's standards, where Shaq was like a guy who would average 20 points and 20 rebounds. Rudy Gobert's still number two in the league in blocks right now, so he's doing what he always has done. But then it got a little weirder. He had an interview with Christian Wood, who is on the Rockets right now, and on my fantasy basketball team, and he's been doing great stuff. Love you, Christian Wood. It's been a bit of a breakout year for him. He was on the Pistons last year, started to do well, signed this big contract with the Rockets. Now he's playing great. Now with James Harden gone, he's playing even better because he's one of the primary options on the team. And in the post-game interview, Shaq admitted to Christian Wood's face that he didn't really know who he was before tonight. Your job is to talk about basketball. Not only is that rude, but that just shows you're not great at your job.
3: Yeah, exactly. Like it's meant to be a slight, but it just shows that he's not really
1: prepared as a broadcaster. (laughs) Yeah, it's like kind of a slight, kind of a compliment, but it's just a thing you shouldn't say to someone. There are even nicer ways to say it and not sound so mean but then the next thing that was just even meaner for no reason at all he said something before a Utah Jazz game started on the broadcast said that he doesn't think Donovan Mitchell the star of the Utah Jazz doesn't think he is good enough to be the best player on a team, thinks he needs to be like the second or the third best guy in a championship team. Did Shaq not watch any of the bubble? I guess not. Like maybe only the games he's working. I feel like that's what some of these broadcasters do is they only watch the games that they're on and then nothing else.
3: What a weird person to go after.
1: Right, Donovan Mitchell's so nice.
3: He's very nice. He's also very, forget that he's nice. He is good enough to be the number one guy on a team. It's not even a discussion.
1: Right, and that's the thing is there's no beef. It's not like Donovan Mitchell said anything mean to Shaq. Like, there's not even, at least Rudy Gobert can be like, oh, it's a center. Shaq wants to establish himself as the best center. He feels threatened by other good centers. But like, Donovan Mitchell's a shooting guard. Who plays for the Jazz? Like, what are we doing? Also,
3: like, I mean, this is basic stuff here, but you don't take shots at people unless you're insecure. Oh, yeah. And I don't know why Shaq feels insecure.
1: You're Shaquille O'Neal. Like, you have nothing to be insecure about. You are Shaq. You're Shaq. But he said this quote, and then Donovan Mitchell went out and destroyed, scored like 40 points, a bunch of assists and rebounds, like had an incredible game. And then as normally happens when TNT is broadcasting a game, the best player hops on with a headset and talks with the guys in the booth. So they talk with Shaq and Kenny and Ernie and Chuck, and Shaq was like, hey Donovan, uh, before the game I said that I don't think you're good enough to be the best player on a team, and I stand by that, wanted to make sure you heard it, so I guess like trying to say that he He was like negging him into playing well. He's like, I want to make sure you heard it. What are your thoughts on that? Like his whole question was like, I said something mean about you. I did it on purpose to try to rile you up. How do you feel? And then all Donovan Mitchell said was, I. (laughs) Here's, okay, I've got a wild theory. Stay with me on this.
3: Shaq works with Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley has been known to have a bit of a gambling issue. I submit Ah. that Barkley made a prop bet through (laughs) mybookie.ag on Donovan Mitchell to hit X number of points. And he told Shaq, I want you to say something bad about him so he plays well, because if I do, it'll be too suspicious.
1: Mm, I like this tinfoil hat theory. It's pretty Thank good. You. Thank it's pretty, pretty good. But I like that Donovan Mitchell took no crap from Shaq. I like that all he said was, all right, and then he said he's been hearing this from day one of his career, that he's not good enough. Donovan Mitchell wasn't taken incredibly high in the draft. He's been underrated. So I like Donovan Mitchell's attitude here. Just an awkward thing for Shaq to do but to bring it around and to talk about someone else on the TAT broadcast that is just a, a fun guy. It's our good old friend, Charles Barkley. About the whole beef with Gobert, Charles Barkley said, quote, We don't call him Shaquille O'Neal. We call him Petty White around here. Just for the record, you couldn't play in today's game. Talking to Shaq, they shoot threes. You wouldn't even be in the game today. Rudy Gobert would dominate you. Leave it alone, Petty White. Or if we want to go with uh, one of Shaq's old teammates, we could call him Petty Hardaway. There it is. So I like Chuck clowning him. I think it's strange that Shaq is being so grumpy and... I didn't want him to be one of those, like, these guys couldn't hang with me dudes. So hopefully Shaq reins it in and stops doing it. And we just want Shaq to go back to being silly and lovable and talking about barbecue chicken, not negging 25-year-old men. And tweeting at Chris
3: Angel. Is that so much to ask?
1: Yeah. Is it too much to ask, Shaq? Just be silly and be happy. You are Shaq. Come on.
3: That's what I would do if I were Shaq. Just be shack, revel in your shackness. And then I would just hold
1: things and and see how small they looked. Look at this thermos. It looks like a roller chapstick. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Well, that wraps up Full Core Press. Get it like the news. And now we can get into our very special interview. Adam, how about you uh, give a little bit of background about who we're about to speak with?
3: All right, so... As we mentioned, uh, we have a very fun interview today. Uh, it's with a couple friends of mine, uh, Megan Gailey and CJ Toledano. You know what? I'm just going to ask now because I didn't ask before. This is not, we're going to edit this later. You did <laughs> keep your, your, your you are still Megan Gailey, yes? I didn't even think oh, to ask. No, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: No, uh, even the other day, I called myself Megan Toledano no. to CJ and he was like, I don't like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, it's not, it's I not. For marry
0: Mary. a Megan Toadano. No, know? like, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah.
2: Then I'm really trying to get away with some shady shit that does not match my skin tone. You know, you like, know
3: I, I'm the son of a Deborah Mamawala, who's a very tiny Midwestern white lady. So it is yeah, what it is. That
2: is I, it, it will be great to have little Toledano babies that look nothing like me. Um, but I got to I got to keep the gaily.
3: <laughs> they might look something like me, to be honest with you.
2: Oh, I, that's that's best case scenario. If we're lucky. Best yes. case yeah. scenario.
3: By the way, I've changed my mind. This is all staying in the podcast. Um, <laughs> so we are here uh, with. My friends, Megan Gailey, CJ Toledano, Megan I've known for many years. Uh, We did stand-up in New York together. Megan is a fantastic comic. She's been on The Tonight Show, she's been on Conan. She also uh, was a writer for the ESPYs. CJ I have met more recently, Uh, not only I think through Megan, but just through like following basketball. We've run into each other in, in LA and in New York from time to time. CJ has previously worked for uh, House of Highlights for Bleacher Report, and he uh, currently has a new project called Follow Through that I will let him tell you about. But uh, hello, welcome, thanks for being on.
0: Absolutely, thank you, Adam. I feel like it might be the one like an anniversary of us meeting because I feel like it, it was a year ago, and one of our first conversations yep. were were just about one the Bulls and then also the Kobe stuff. So I remember that that show when you were on it.
3: Yeah, so I did CJ's show uh, that he. Well, I guess I'll say ran since he. No one yeah. can run a show right now, but at a <laughs> uh, at a Filipino restaurant in what part of Los Angeles is that? Uh, Eagle Rock. Eagle, Eagle Rock. Rock. The Filipino
2: Rock. neighborhood. That's the Philippines. Yeah, but there is. Little Filipino, right? Or no, there's Filipino yeah, town. There's a little but...
0: Filipino running around LA somewhere.
3: <laughs> is that what you're going to call your child? I don't know. if yeah. that Little Filipino, get in here.
2: Oh, boy. See, this is why I couldn't take Toledano. I don't even know the neighborhood that's 10 minutes away from me.
3: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, that was... So we're recording this on January 26th, which is the, the one-year anniversary of Kobe passing away. And uh, I, yeah, I had flown to LA that Friday. And then that Sunday morning, I was on the phone with Brent Gill. I don't know if you know who that is. He's another comic. Yeah, mm-hmm. Just talking about, like, the, I was going to do a show that Sunday. And all of a sudden on the phone. Like, I mean, everybody had some version of that reaction. Right, right, um, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, doing your show, I feel like that was, like, all we talked about. And then we went and got some very good tacos at a yes. street sale.
2: That taco place, they're doing well. They are alive and well. They're pandemic-proof. They are <laughs> pandemic-proof. And they have the best pork pineapple tacos in the
3: world. Ooh. So, Matt, oh, yeah. you
0: really missed out on a good trip. His name's
2: Mike. Mike. Uh,
3: okay. Oh, my God. Oh Happens all the time. But plenty of Matts have missed out on those tacos Matt did as well. Too. Yeah, Matt, you
1: listening at home, you missed out on a trip as well. Hey, Matt,
0: your number one fan of horse...
1: Oh, man. Yeah. No, I mean, with with the Kobe stuff, I was on my bachelor party weekend and me and a lot of my friends are all basketball fans, so everyone's phone just started blowing up at the exact same time and it was very strange. I have noticed that in my life now that like the most my phone will blow up about something is big basketball news. And I'm usually in a car (laughs) unable to reach it, so I was driving up to a wedding in upstate New York when the Knicks failed to sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and everyone was texting me condolences Mm -hmm. and then there was the Kobe thing and then most recently, the second before I was leaving to drive back from Canada to New York we were up with some family around the holidays I wasn't going to have texting as international blah 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 right before James Harden trade happened so mm. we did delay Shit. our drive home by 15 minutes so <laughs> that I could reply to things and tweet and process and then okay now we can go
2: <laughs> I get um today Karis LeVert had a successful surgery and I'm a Pacers mm-hmm. fan and I always get so excited when the Pacers are in the news at all because I'm like oh I'm like people texted me yep. today, like CJ texted my family. And then two guys that we know, like through basketball texted me. And I was like, the Pacers make me feel popular. They give me, they give me a social circle that I wouldn't have without them.
3: hundred percent. And I, th- I think for people who are as big of sports fans as we are, it does become like an integral part of your identity. Like when the Cubs won the world series, I got messages from people that I hadn't talked to in like 25 years.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Recently, whenever the Knicks do anything good, which is few and far between. Yeah. Uh, people are like, hey, I don't really follow basketball, but I heard good things about uh, Im- Emmanuel quickly. Yeah. Uh, so- <laughs> this is a better year for you, though, oddly. It's so, a huge upgrade. Yeah. It's
2: nice. Jeremy Lin was trending today.
1: Yeah, because Andrew I Yang had an <laughs> out of context. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, hey, guys, I'm definitely a New Yorker. Hey, yeah, yeah. But no, Pacers fan, that's fun. I. I'm excited to talk with someone who has a fan of not like a big market team because I root for the Knicks and Adam roots for the Bulls. And we've had a million Sixers fans and Lakers fans on the show. So rooting for a team that is usually less in the news, Mm kind of always in that five to seven playoff range spot year after year. But you know, Larry Bird's team for so long. Yeah, How does it feel? What's it like?
2: You know, I'm a Colts fan too. I'm from Indianapolis. I didn't just like pick a racist state and go with those teams.
3: Um, She's a big Mike Pence fan.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She (laughs) was
0: looking for representation in the NBA. So she chose the Pacers. And then uh,
2: I love horses and I love race cars. So I said, these are my teams. Um, But (laughs) it's funny because like I'll meet people and they're like, you're the first blank I've ever met. You're the first Colts fan or you're the first Pacers fan. And I'm like, wow, that is like a lot of pressure. But we are fanatical. I mean, there is no place that loves basketball like the state of Indiana. Like every other place can say it, but it truly is different and very holy there. So it's just a part of our our being. And like the Pacers, I remember them being good Around the same time that the Colts got good, or maybe it was just because I was finally old enough, but it started in like first grade for me. Like I have a second grade journal where I wrote like, I love Jalen Rose. Please let the Pacers win like the whole page. Like I was like (laughs) fully invested in that 90s team that so many people like look back on now. The last dance team that was referenced. I'm like, oh wow, I knew all this. This is like why I cried and loved them. But it was really beautiful to see like, damn, Reggie was maybe the only one that Jordan had mutual respect for (laughs) well yeah
3: and and it was cool watching that because like as a diehard bulls fan people know about the shot and they know about the series against the jazz people forget that the bulls were down 15 to the pacers in game seven like they almost didn't get to that last finals and that pacers team was incredible i I mean the reggie miller game winner jordan having his ball like rim in and out that whole series that was like one of the last really hard-nosed series i feel like before things got a little softer going into the 2000s, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And modern Pacers, they're always in the hunt. You know, there's never a team that you're like, oh, God, I don't know what happened there. Um, So there's always good players. There's always something to be excited about for better or for worse. There's a lot of heartbreak being an Indiana sports fan. Mm
0: -hmm. That core was able to take the Bulls to seven in the 90s and then also make the finals against the Lakers early 2000. And like, yeah, that's like unheard of. Like, you know, if it was today, it'd be like, oh, they got a third superstar or, you yeah. know, some crazy change up. But it was, you know, it was Reggie. It was Rick. It was who the else Davis was the- brothers. Davis bro- Like
2: Jalen, Mark Jackson. Yeah, I
0: mean, shout out to the Pacers. Like they do deserve a lot of credit. Thank you.
1: As an Indiana Pacers fan, I do have a question. I was watching the game last night because I recently added TJ McConnell to my fantasy basketball team doing great stuff. Big yeah, fan. Yes. But the court I noticed says we grow basketball. Underneath. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Thoughts on the this year's slogan.
2: OK, so uh, I, we're very much known for just corn mm-hmm. and we're a farming state and so I think they're trying to say like there's more than corn in Indiana there's also we also grow basketball, we also grow basketball and we also <laughs> probably do grow some domestic terrorists um, and and I'm happy that they didn't put that on the court you know like I that feels like something that maybe got crossed out so we grow basketball I mean, Broom, broom, babies. I I, I just like
0: imagining whoever came up with that, he's just like a Frankenstein or just like an idiot. And he's like, we grow basketball or like, <laughs> we eat basketball. And it's just like, that guy loves the Pacers. But
2: we feel that way for sure. <laughs> yeah, we do feel yeah. that way.
3: Now, I feel like this is a perfect transition into asking you for the millionth time, I'm sure, to talk a little bit about your uh, proposal. CJ? Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, honestly, I get way too much credit for it and it could have went horribly wrong. Um, no, I was just like, the plan was to propose to Megan when we went to Indianapolis to visit her family for Thanksgiving. And honestly, I I didn't really think of like the physical place, but then I think the week of your mom was like, the Reggie mural went up and it looked pretty cool. Wait, so
2: my mom told you to do it?
0: No, she didn't tell me to do it, but I was just, you know, in the back of my head, I was like, I'll wing it. But then she told me like the Reggie mural was up and I was like, oh, I definitely want to check that out. And then it just kind of made sense. And I was hiring a photographer anyway. And... I just thought the pictures would look cool. So you definitely knew what was going on. But yeah, we went to the mural. Like, wasn't
3: sly about it at all. And it's gigantic, right? I mean, it's like an incredibly large Reggie Miller mural.
2: Yeah, it's maybe like a eight-story building, maybe mm-hmm. even taller. The one funny thing is, so like, we were supposed to go to the Pacers game that night. So I knew that CJ was like, probably proposing to me. But then I had this like Pacers jacket that I love that CJ actually gave me our first Christmas together. And so I gave it to my brother and was like, I'm going downtown to like get engaged, you know? So can you, (laughs) can you bring me my Pacers jacket for the game? And so CJ proposed and and we had a a beautiful moment in front of it. And then he was like, okay, we're going to go back and like go to dinner with my family and your family. I was like, wait, so we're not going to the Pacers game. And he was like, no, are you sad? We're not going to the Pacers game. I was like, yeah, I thought we were going to the yeah. Pacers game. <laughs> now,
3: when you thought you were going to the Pacers game, was there any part of you that was like, oh, my God, he's going to propose on the Jumbotron? Yes,
1: that's my question, too.
2: Um, So, like, that's not something I would be opposed to. Like, oh, that's
1: we, a lie, man. and she's saying that now. Though. No,
2: but, like, <laughs> I was going to say yes, and I love the damn Pacers. So, like, <laughs> Jumbotron at Colts or Pacers game would have been a close second to what CJ did. But then we posted the picture, like, a day later, and... Reggie commented on it and said, like, I bless this. I love this because the mural had been done. There hadn't been a ribbon cutting like no one had really seen it finished yet. So it felt like we got in at like a really good time. It must have been a slow news day in Indianapolis because then Reggie commenting on the photo wound up in the Indianapolis star, like my hometown (laughs) newspaper, but they used a tweet of mine where it was a picture of my hand. And I said, I guess you can make a hoe a housewife. (laughs) And (laughs) they used (laughs) that in the article.
0: (laughs) Well, they embedded the Instagram post. So yeah, it's in there. Um, Oh
3: my gosh. I love it. Yeah. And you guys got to talk to Reggie Miller about that, right? Like, didn't you interview him at some point? So,
0: I mean, Megan, Megan like stalked Reggie for a long time. I didn't time. stalk him. No, no I was she would just po- likes to tag him in, in stories and stuff. And he is really cool with like his fans.
2: Yes. CJ has given me tons of like amazing Reggie gear. So I've tagged him and stuff. The first time I went to Madison Square Garden, I like took a picture of the rafters and was like, Why isn't Reggie's jersey up here? And like tagged him and he reshared it. So like we DM'd after he
0: commented, congrats on the post and stuff. So like we just felt
2: close. Yeah. And, and then we, I asked him to do our podcast and he was like,
0: okay. Yeah. And it was <laughs> very, like, yeah. What? He's really, really nice. I know people hate on Reggie as a broadcaster, but.
1: I mean, he's very bad at it. So.
0: <laughs> he's just, um, you know, and that's the thing about retired athletes in general is like, they're immediately qualified to, you know, be analysts. Yeah. which uh, the math doesn't like convert. I'd like, like that. you to know yeah.
2: that. I think he's very good at it though. Like, I that's you like how- the
1: part where he talks about Kodak cameras. Is that your favorite um, part?
2: Everything does like even like chris weber i love
1: oh, chris weber so bad i know
2: the man. gundy's going off like there are just like things that i'm like this is endearing to me in a way that obviously other people do not find endearing but as long as a broadcaster is not being like racist then i'm like you are good i like you all
3: right yeah respect. <laughs>
1: that's, that's a good bar that's a good bar now cj what team do you root for? (laughs) I saw on your Twitter bio that it says Detroit Pistons, but I don't know if you're a Pistons Uh, fan or if you just worked for the Pistons. Listen,
0: there's going to be like 10 teams I name here, but I worked for the Pistons. That was like my first job in sports. I was doing creative stuff for them. But my team growing up were the 90s Bulls. I lived in Marshalltown, Iowa. And so we had WGN. And so we got all the Bulls games. And so that's like...
3: Johnny Red Kerr, baby.
0: Exactly. and But like most kids, like 90s Bulls was like the Beatles, right? Yeah. You know, it was just, I loved Jordan. I loved players. LeBron became my guy when Jordan left. And so I've just followed LeBron wherever he's gone now. I still try to watch some Bulls games. It's excruciating and punishing the fans. This year has actually been okay, uh, the, the games that I have caught. but
3: They play hard. Yeah. I mean, they give up 130 points every game, but they play hard.
0: Yeah, and actually, too, when LeBron went to the Heat, I was, like, furious. One, I thought he was coming to the Bulls. Um, and then, because we met in Chicago doing comedy. And during that time was, um, I think the first year that we were there, It was D Rose's rookie year and tickets were 12 bucks. And we we knew they were going to be decent, but they were... Awesome. Like, I saw that Celtics series that, that went to seven, that was like one of the greatest playoff series of yeah. all time. And so I fell in love with that team because there was that time when we were starting comedy where I was like, I don't care about sports that much. But then in Chicago and like really doing stand up, it was like so up and down. I was like, I think I like basketball again. And that D Rose, <laughs> Tibbs, Bulls team and like being yeah. able to go there was like so formative in, into how I am a fan now. So um now Lakers, LeBron, like, yeah, for the most part. A- and, and the Pacers, in the
2: Pacers. Okay. You see, this is a real <laughs> issue. um yeah my dad calls dj a front runner and like hounds him about it and is just like (laughs) you have no allegiance and will be like oh are you a nets fan i mean like is negging my husband um (laughs) and and it's correct for my dad to do and i will never tell him to stop
1: it seems justified (laughs) yeah i respect it i mean i i don't know if it's a family thing or a regional thing or whatever but like with my family it's the same thing where if i haven't given up on the knicks yet It's pretty clear where the loyalty lies. And, you know, I'm the type of, like, you root for the the team that you were close to. And then that's Mm -hmm. it. But, like, I also understand the other stuff. Also, as a kid, like, I still love the Bulls, even though I was a Knicks fan and the Bulls were destroying us every single playoffs. I still, like, liked them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I hated them. <laughs> I like really truly hate it. Michael Jordan and I have the same birthday. And Wait,
1: same. Well, that means we have the same birthday. February oh, wow. 17th. <laughs>
2: Let's oh go. my Come god. On guys. <laughs> that is so beautiful. And Us in
1: Paris Hilton, yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we have like a pretty good um crew. That's pretty good. Actually.
0: My crew is Ben Shapiro.
2: Yeah, your crew is oh, and, and but, no. then,
0: <laughs> but then the offset is Martin Luther King. So yeah. Ooh, wow. <laughs> the yin and the yang. Yeah,
2: <laughs> a true yin and yang.
0: But I will say about you know, in terms of like also being obsessed with the NBA and basketball like you guys are is that I, of course, I worship the 90s Bulls in Jordan. But then when he retired and then like I started watching other NBA like highlights and like retro games and stuff, I was like, man, I really robbed myself of enjoying like, you know, the Sonics and even like, you know, Stockton and Malone, mm-hmm. except for Malone as a person. But like Stockton is like mm-hmm. one of my favorite players. Even Barkley, like it was an incredible class, an era, oh, yeah. and so it, anyone who knows me knows. Like I still obsess over '90s NBA almost more than I do with basketball now. I'm almost like rediscovering a lot of stuff that I wasn't paying attention to because I was obsessed with Jordan. So
2: and we root for the Lakers. Like I, I'm like a firm believer of like you can have a favorite team in conferences. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so the Lakers I definitely love so much and. No one really gets mad at me. I used to be like very defensive about liking them. Um, but I think people get it now.
3: Yeah, and needless to say, if the Pacers were playing the Lakers again in the finals, you would obviously root for the Pacers. It's not yes, even a discussion. Yes,
2: a hundred percent. Yeah,
3: I think I
1: think you're allowed to have both.
3: Now, CJ, so you're saying your your first job in basketball was for the Pistons. Walk us through like some of the other jobs you've had in basketball. And I'm curious, like, what would you consider your favorite job ever in basketball and also uh, your worst? <laughs>
0: Wow. Mm. Um, okay. So I mean, when I say worst, it is like by no means like awful. Like the fact that I get to do a creative job coming up with basketball stuff is like truly the dream. Um, I know I don't act that way towards my wife sometimes where <laughs> I come home and I'm complaining about these things, but like the Pistons was tough because it was such a new thing and like looking back on it now, what I was trying to do was you know, trying to make memes and like NBA Twitter a regular part of their content programming, but it just didn't exist back then. You know, like they yeah, wanted. Yeah, what year it... was this? This was 2015, so six okay. years ago, which doesn't seem like a long time ago, but like. But
1: that was before like when Twitter accounts were fun. Like I feel like 2015, 2016 is like the Kings' Twitter was yep. kind of sassy, and everyone was like, "Whoa!" That was like Rockets' Twitter guy got fired for, yeah. gu- for gun emoji, horse emoji when they beat yep. the Mavericks. Like it was a very early era. <laughs> I think
0: it was the same year. That was the same same season. And so yeah, like really you could see league wide, that was really what the bar was at. Anytime you like mess up emojis, you're you're claiming with fire. So yeah, that it was just tough going there to Detroit and being implemented within their existing creative team. Yeah. Um, Tell,
2: have you guys ever seen the Pure Michigan commercials? No. Oh, man. They're just very- Is it like, know,
3: tourism? Like, like, like tourism? Like Michigan yeah, tourism? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're
2: like beautiful. Like, I'll see a Pure Michigan commercial and like weep. It's like that beautiful. Um, And then CJ worked with the guy that made those. Well, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, man, oh, that's a legend. So we would
0: get into arguments and stuff, but <laughs> I totally see, and like from working with brands and stuff now, like I see his mission and goals or whatever. So like, it was tough. It was like, you know, when you meet people who don't do comedy and then you try to explain to them your comedy and how it works and why it doesn't work in certain rooms or Oof. whatever, like that was 75% of my job trying to tell an NBA team how comedy works and how social media works. And so that was a struggle, but there was a few pieces in that that were pretty successful that sort of got me noticed by Bleacher Report, who was then just discovering like memes were, were a thing and like should be done like on a daily basis. And they built a team that they asked me to come in and, and, and run. The,
3: the meme team, if you will. <laughs>
0: the, yeah, the meme team. Exactly. Uh, the 92 meme team. The meme factory. <laughs> so yeah, so I went to Bleacher Report and I would say that first year at Bleacher Report, where the space was just starting to get taken a little bit seriously, it really was like a dream team of like people picked from brands, from journalists, from you know comedians. we had this one uh, guy who I still talk to, who was the mascot for the org. Like he was the duck um, in Oregon. <laughs> oh, cool. and like, but he also like worked on Nike stuff and whatever. And so like everyone had some weird backgrounds and. We were all in our mid twenties, single in New York and would just stay at the office and watch games until like 1 a.m. trying to come up with like the best meme of the night with like the best editors and graphic designers. Yeah, it was just, it was a lot of fun doing that. And from there, every other like the score and all these other like outlets started catching onto that playbook. And since then, yeah, I went to the NFL and, and sort of started one called the Checkdown for football. Um, and then left, went to House of Highlights where I was more on camera and I was doing like live action shorts. And then now to my uh, own thing, which is essentially what I've been doing, but kind of independently and working with publishers, working with brands and working with players and teams directly. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun.
3: That's dope.
2: We got to clip that out. For your mom, yeah, CJ's she mom has no idea. She's like, I just don't. Un- she, I mean, she's like basketball, and and like the thing is, she's right. I think if you ask my parents, they would say he makes memes and videos.
3: Yeah. <laughs> now, were you, were you involved with Game of Zones too? Yeah. So those are my buddies, the Malamut
0: brothers. Um, so when I went and interviewed for Bleacher Report, again, it was a lot of just like journalists and people just making like sports listicles and, and writing, you know, just straightforward articles. But the the Game of Zones guys had gotten hired first. And I think they had like a season under their belt. And they're like, hey, you should go meet these guys. And they their office was a literal closet <laughs> with a keyboard and a couple monitors. And I we just hit it off because they like come from a comedy background. And I was like, yeah, I want to do weird stuff and like fun comedy stuff. And we became friends. And so like I was in those early seasons, sort of like their basketball consultant. Cause I was like the mediator between knows basketball, but then also knows comedy and, and entertainment. And so I was like an official staff writer on season three of it, and then was just like a consultant and would come and watch episodes or like tell them Easter eggs and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, super talented brothers. And I was like, so happy to be a part of that.
3: It's pretty great. Game of Zones uh, was a parody of Game of Thrones, as you might have picked up on. And also like the production value is awesome. The voice work is yeah. awesome. I submitted a writing packet. I never heard anything. Am I bitter? No. You know, you move on. <laughs> I read it. You- it was you know, good. I proofread. you did. I actually <laughs> Mike was my consultant for basketball things when I submitted a writing pack. Why
0: well, did you hire him? I didn't I had nothing to do with it and also CJ? just so you know it,
1: CJ the, uh,
0: they only <laughs> hired one guy and it was a guy who already had an NBA cartoon. And so yeah, I wouldn't feel bad hmm. like
1: yeah,
3: I can't compete with that. I cannot I cannot compete with that. <laughs> um, so to to jump across the couch, even though uh, nobody can see where you're sitting because this is an audio medium. <laughs> uh, Megan. You wrote for the SBs, and I think, was it the year that Peyton Manning hosted? I wrote for the year
2: Peyton did, and then the um, 2018 when Danica Patrick did as well.
3: Nice. Wow, dream come true.
1: Yeah. For your boy Peyton. Mm -hmm.
3: Uh, If you can recall any of them, given that this is a basketball podcast, do you remember any basketball specific? jokes that you wrote for the SPs. I'm putting you on the spot here.
2: Okay. So <laughs> I don't think the first year I got one joke in. I truly oh, really like, yeah, I had a joke from the monologue kind of at the last second because Peyton was like doing a table read and he was like, I don't get this one. And everybody <laughs> looked at me and just knew how heartbroken I was <laughs> to be like, oh no. Oh, my
3: hero doesn't like my joke. Cool.
2: My hero doesn't like, <laughs> my weird, it was like a magician. I don't know. It didn't make any it, He was right. He was he, he was wow. right to cut it. Um, That's the
0: first <laughs> time you've ever admitted that. No, he <laughs> was
2: right. It's a, it's a difficult show for me to write for because my comedy tends to be a lot Meaner than the SBS want to be. So, like the first year I wrote for it was like the 20th anniversary. And I had all these jokes about like the SBS being older than everyone's dates. And they were like, no, like, <laughs> no, we hate this. And I was like, okay, got it, got it, got it. Whoopsie. <laughs> but there was that should have been in. That's really funny.
0: That,
1: That's really funny. <laughs> and
2: Peyton didn't want to be mean. Like he he just didn't want to. Danica wanted to. She was like, I'll go there. Let's do it. But she just didn't have the comedic chops that Peyton does, which is hilarious for just a tall white quarterback man. Um, But he really (laughs) does have comedic timing. But it was in that monologue, there was the Kevin Durant joke about him trying to join the gold medal gymnastics team. And, and, you know, the joke is like good and, and funny. Our friend Zach wrote it, but then there was a cutaway to Durant and he made this face like he was mad and like that was so shady and that ended up being the biggest like gif of the night like in the room Mm. we were like okay this is like doing well and then twitter was like this monologue is destroying me like the reaction (laughs) to it was like so so crazy (laughs) i think it's considered one of the like best espies monologues of all time and it's because of that joke probably specifically that's
0: really cool
1: Yeah, I mean, it's my number one. I don't know any off the top of my head, but it's my number one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but Peyton is, honestly, I always say he's like the number one athlete, um...
3: SNL host. Yeah. I put I put Blake mm-hmm. Griffin up there too as terms of yeah. like comedic timing as, mm-hmm. a, as an yeah. athlete. well
2: and I, I wrote on a pilot for Blake last summer. And like Blake loves comedy and and Wasn't Pey- he like
3: doing stand-up for a while? Yeah, yeah, he was
2: doing stand-up. He went to Montreal twice.
3: Remember when NBA players were allowed to go to Canada? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um,
2: yeah, he loves comedy. He wants to be a part of it, and Peyton doesn't. You know like it's it's just he just yeah. happens to be really good and know his lane so well that that's how he has like perfected
1: it. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of TV and also you being a Pacers fan, I have noticed, and I don't know if this is an intentional trend or if it just happens, but like the Pacers wind up on TV a lot. Oh. I remember when I first ever watched The Bachelor, my now wife Kelly got me into it, and it was Ben H's season and he's from Indiana. Yeah. And then like episode three, it was like, let's go to my hometown. Yeah. And then I was like grumpy, like, I don't want to watch The Bachelor. And then episode three, I was like, That's Paul George and Frank Vogel and George Hill. Yeah. Like yes. and then they show up in Parks and Rec. You've got Detlef Shrimp and you've got Roy Hibbert. Like it's awesome.
2: I think it's the Parks and Rec, like, fame of it. That show just, like, did a lot for Indiana sports cameos. I thought you meant, like, their games wind up being on TV. And I was like, I do not feel that way. (laughs) Sadly not. (laughs) No, just them being, like, funny. And Larry Bird is, like, funny. I mean, not intentionally, but is, like, a funny character to see pop up in things, too.
3: Yeah, 100%.
2: Ben H., I Um, interviewed him. And he is still a Pacers and Colts fan. He lives in um, Colorado now.
3: He uh, he just made a cameo on, on last night's episode of The Bachelor. Why do I know that? I can't explain that. I just do. <laughs> he just dropped by to give some, some words of wisdom to the current okay. Bachelor. Um, okay, sure. That's neither here nor there. Megan, talk to us about the bubble machine.
2: Okay. Okay. So, the bubble <laughs> machine, at one point, it was going to be CJ and me. But then CJ didn't want to do it with me. Um, and there was just so much It's funny- not, I
0: didn't want to do it with you. I was like, you know what, I'm going to enjoy this and not put homework on every... Because we were considering doing a daily NBA show in our backyard, <laughs> which no no
2: okay it would have tested our marriage in a way that we've already been tested a lot Yeah. so I just was like there's so much fun stuff coming out of the bubble and it coincided with hard knock starting and CJ and I have long wanted to do a hard knocks podcast, but ha- we have not. Cause CJ says I would get canceled immediately for the <laughs> things that I think and
0: say. Yeah. In the <laughs> first couple years of us dating well, I was working at the NFL one year. So definitely wasn't going to comment on the NFL. And then <laughs>
2: and I then worked that, there the next year yeah, and yeah. I was on thin ice the whole time I worked there. <laughs> um, so it, it was like, Oh, okay. I'm like Free to do this now. And the bubble brought both of us like a a jolt of joy into our house. Like just being able to see them like the Pacers first game back, I... I had tears in my eyes, like, it just really meant a lot. And then it was so unique, too, that I wanted to, like, be able to talk about it in kind of like a time capsule. So yeah, yeah I mean, I was a 34 year old woman doing a YouTube show in my backyard, which is very bleak and dark, but I ended up having so much fun. And I like truly miss being able to do it. I, I loved it. Some
3: Somehow I feel like you're not the only 34 year old woman doing a YouTube show in your backyard no in Los Angeles. No, yeah. I'm,
2: I'm definitely not, but I'm probably the least hot one doing it. <laughs> Even though I did it in a bathing suit, every episode I did in a one-piece bathing suit because it was 100 degrees every day. Like, I tried to put an outfit on for the first one and I was like, fuck this. And so I was just <laughs> pantsless sitting at our like picnic table talking about Fred Van Vliet's children, you know? And that's, that's mm. a true happy place for me.
1: And again, for everyone listening at home, it is an audio medium, but Megan is wearing a one-piece bathing suit <laughs> while we were recording.
3: And I'm jacked.
1: Yeah. <laughs> CJ has a 12 pack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because of the Pistons and Pacers dynamic in that, mm-hmm. CJ, you work from them. Has mm-hmm. has there been any bad blood in that because of, like, do those teams still hate each other because of Malice in the Palace? Like, is there still bad blood going on there? It's such a big event. It's so long ago, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, I don't know rivalry-wise if that soiled it.
2: The team has turned over so many times since then. The Pacers' ownership is the same, and I think the Pistons' ownership is the same. Uh, no. No, okay. No. So, yeah, it, but there is fan-wise, like, I, I, I don't hate Detroit Pistons fans. Um, I definitely think those fans at that game were responsible and I do hate them.
1: I and mean, that's the correct thing to do. Yeah. There
2: is no rivalry.
0: I mean, like, cause again, I, I really like players and in, in meta run test or whatever we want to call him now. He, we love him. He yeah, we just love him. And like again, he was like one of the players we've just uh shared a love for and
3: he was chilling on the side until somebody oh, threw no, a drink at him. He
2: is yeah. he is fully like not. To blame. Um, I was actually at the, I remember like the, day that happened like my dad calling me and then we went to the colts game that sunday Malice at the palace was on a friday we went to the colts game that sunday and ron artest and stephen jackson unassumingly like walked out of the tunnel (laughs) they were there to see the game and once the camera found them it was a standing ovation for them i mean a lot of love and then that love went away very quickly like the city of indianapolis and probably more the state the state of indiana ended up turning on the team um, in a way that was unfair, but I think was a reaction to like, oh my God. And then there continued to be some issues with Jamal Tinsley and some other guys that had been involved. And then it just became like, is this who we are now? And like, Indiana is so fucking full of itself that it's, you know, it's a Bible Belt state. And so it turned people off, but it was like, I don't think they're, bad guys
3: do you think there were some like racist undertones in that
2: oh i, I don't even Absolutely. think it was undertones i think it was fully racist yeah what was happening because no one was mad at austin crozier
3: i mean people have been mad at austin crozier many times but not I'm, for that i'm, yeah. mad, at him. I'm <laughs> mad at
2: him um but yeah because like then it started like Jermaine o'neill got roped into it and it's like Jermaine o'neill is not a bad guy
3: he did pull off a sliding punch of a large yeah. pistons fan
2: and- Fully correct. They are fully correct. Yep. The, the further we get away from that, the kinder fans and the state looks back on it for sure.
3: Yeah, that makes sense. That's good. Uh, That's good. I, I have one final. It's a two-part question for both of you uh, before we let you go. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this is going to be harder for you, CJ, because you have a truly impressive amount of basketball gear and merch. But I want to know for both of you, What is your single most prized basketball related possession? And also, what is your favorite basketball memory of your entire life?
0: Honestly, Megan, just recently for our anniversary, because everything I feel like I could sell or like if I lost it, I'll get over it. Because it's like I bought it for myself or, you know, or it was given to me by like Nike or something. But like Megan got me a Charles Barkley autographed game worn shoe for our anniversary, which was only. Uh, what, a month ago? And it's, yeah, it's, I'm looking at it right now um, yeah, I don't think I'd ever sell that or, or give that away.
3: And is it on a Barkley? Like is the shoe itself a like a Barkley shoe? Yeah, it's uh
0: it's an Air Max C B two, which was the second of his signature shoes and yeah, it was Game Worn. So like wow. I've never owned a Game worn anything. Like as a kid, that seemed like millionaire type shit. You know, it's like right. who who why would I ever buy that for myself or anything? Yeah. So like that that yeah, it's like right and we're over. We're
2: renting. Okay. You know, like we're not
3: the shoe or the apartment. <laughs> right.
2: If uh, we're, rent- we're renting the shoe, I have to send it back to TNT, actually. If I misbehave,
0: Megan's sending it <laughs> yeah. back.
1: Real talk, if renting ridiculous memorabilia was a thing, like,
2: yeah,
0: yep. like, I would yeah. do that. Like, yeah. oh, yeah,
1: we've got, you know, like, part of the Knicks court for a month, Yeah, sure.
2: I don't think we're that far away from that.
1: Yeah, like, like the Stanley yeah. Cup, how everybody gets
3: it for, like, a certain number yeah, of days. Yeah, yeah exactly. Pass it along.
2: Okay, so, wow, this is gonna be really sweet. My um, most prized basketball possession... Oof. Honestly, I, so I love the pacers jacket that CJ gave me that I referenced before. My favorite hat I have though is a Reggie doing the choke. Like it's a, it's like a cartoon Sounds of like a Reggie bad hat. doing the choke. <laughs> and like a really bad every hat. time I wear it, like people are like, Where did you get that hat? If I wear it to the grocery store, there's always like a bagger that's like, I like your hat. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm like a cool white lady now. So and <laughs> and I've posted about that hat a bunch and Reggie like like, repost it it's just i love the chokes so much
3: if you ever uh write on a movie that spike Lee is producing or directing will you wear that hat to the writer's room
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, if I see
0: little if Spike- that happens, wow! Unity has truly
3: happened. <laughs>
0: if Megan is picked to write on a spiky movie,
3: okay, ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah,
0: ah, ha 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 ha. I'm
2: sorry. Maybe I'm in there as like a white lady consultant. Okay, that's you know, true. they're like, oh, this movie's about Karens, and they bring me in because they don't want an actual bad person, and Define they bring me Karens. in. because I'm like, I know these bitches, but like I've evolved out of it. You know, that's true. <laughs> okay, now I now I believe this might happen.
0: And you are a white lady consultant. That's very true. Um,
2: okay. And then, what's your favorite memory?
0: Favorite memory? I mean, I went to Michael Jordan camp as a kid. Um, oh,
3: huge. Huge. Were you wearing Michael Jordan cologne when you were there? Uh, probably yes,
0: and it made me itch. I have really bad allergies, so uh, and I remember putting that on, and just having a rash all the time. Yeah, I went to Michael Jordan camp two summers in a row, and it was it was at Elmhurst College outside of Chicago. And yeah, it was well. So the first year, I made the All Star team. Legend. Um, Sean Marion was one of my counselors. Wow. Um, And the thing is, like, I was like, I'm awesome. I made the all-star team. But honestly, it was a lot of, like, rich, privileged kids. Um, And then the next year, I was actually put into another division, and that was with kids who were – they got to go for free because they were, like, prospects. And I got my ass handed to me. (laughs) And I think I didn't play basketball seriously in high school. Like, I played CYO, and and I played football mainly. And I think it was because, like, my confidence – was just destroyed at that camp. Well, you
3: shouldn't have let Sean and show you how to shoot a basketball. That's your first yeah, mistake. Yeah, that's
0: <laughs> true. That was for Sean. And for a child to is I needed fundamentals and Sean was not giving me that. So yeah,
3: that's really cool. And did Jordan show up? Like, would he stop by? So
0: yeah, he would do like, he would give a morning talk an afternoon talk. And then he did like a Q and a twice. Um, and then they did this really cool game where it was a pickup game for three hours for the, the campers and their parents where they would just run pickup. And all, again, all the counselors were like college players at the time. So Vince Carter was there one year, Sean Marion, a couple like Duke players that never really made it, but They just ran pickup for about three hours, and we all got to watch that. And so, yeah, Yeah. it was worth it. And everyone got to get one one item signed. Oh, nice! Financially, it kind of paid for itself.
2: Well, you didn't. You were a child. I was a child, so you didn't. I did not pay pay for it. it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wonder if your siblings feel that way. Um, And for me, you know, I've been lucky enough to go to a lot of fun. I've been to a Final Four game. Um, CJ and I went to a Lakers Christmas Day game last year that That's was up there. so fun. I only got to go to this because my dad was in like a freak wave runner accident. But I got to go in his place with my mom to the first game ever played at Conseco, like the opening, the, the field house that they play in now. And at halftime, they honored the 50 greatest Indiana basketball legends. And so it was like Reggie, all the, but then like John Wooden, Larry Bird. I mean, wow. it was truly... Gene Hackman. Tr- Gene Hackman. No, <laughs> it was truly like star studded. And that stadium is so beautiful. Like it, it's beautiful now, but this was probably 20 years ago and it was so beautiful then and we got to just like walk around and see everything and I remember my mom and I being like holy shit this is incredible just two women there together Megan I
3: I have to ask you and I hope I'm not offending you did you like cut the brakes on your dad's wave runner or like is there something nefarious no. that happened here
2: <laughs> no I wasn't even there I was at um I was at my friend's house you I... have an
3: alibi you're saying you have an alibi
2: uh, yeah I have an alibi <laughs> I was not there but but... I felt really bad for him. But and and the thing is I have two older brothers and like I, I always got to go to things ahead of them. Like it's fair. I don't know <laughs> if my parents were trying to be like really feminist. Um, but it wasn't ever like, Will my mom and my brother Michael go? It was Megan is going in in his place. The youngest and only girl is going to the basketball game.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it. I definitely thought when you were first introducing this that you got the tickets because of the wave runner thing. Like um, oh, he oh, like in ran a settlement. Into <laughs> someone's yacht, and then Dead yeah. Left Trump was like, ah, crap, here's some playoff
0: tickets. <laughs> Which would have. <laughs> been a fair trade.
2: What's, what is really fun about a city like Indianapolis is that you see these athletes everywhere though. You know, it's like, it's 600,000 people. It's not a big town. So like growing up, Reggie lived down the street from my friend. We all lived in the same neighborhood. Like, well,
0: what about the more recent so cool. example?
2: The, the more recent example is the neighborhood my parents live in now, Larry Bird lived in, has since moved, but then Victor Oladipo moved in across the street from my parents. <laughs> (laughs) And there's a soft friendship there. Like my dad is in a band. And so they were practicing outside during the pandemic. And Vic is obviously a very talented musician.
3: What are you, you're on Vic terms with him? (laughs) Yeah, we're on Vic Vic terms. first name basis.
2: And he came out and watched my dad's band practice like from his front yard. I remember being at the mall and seeing Dale Davis and being like, oh my God, like it's so exciting. And you see them everywhere everywhere. I cannot believe Fantastic. we are
3: 50 minutes into this interview and you just dropped the fact that your parents live across the street from Victor Oladipo. Well, now no longer.
2: Yeah. Not anymore. I don't know yeah. I, nah, yeah. I don't know what trading. he's
3: going gonna... to moved right in. <laughs> well, that's what, that. We were joking. That's like,
2: how it works. The, the Pacers should just buy that house and then just let whoever like they a comedy recently condo? trade it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A comedy condo <laughs> slash mansion. I think it's beautiful.
1: I think so too.
3: Oh my gosh. I love it so much. Well, we will, uh, we will let you guys go. Thank you so much for hopping on. Where can people find you if they want to follow you?
2: Um, CJ and I actually host a sports podcast together called The Greatest, where we pick uh, different topics each week and then rank our greatest within that. It's called The Greatest. And then my Instagram is at Megan Gailey. A lot of Pacers content on there. Oh boy. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> Buckle up.
0: And I'm at CJ Toledano. And then, yeah, just launched the follow through. And But yeah, everything I tweet about will direct to any of that stuff. But At CJ Toledano and everything.
1: Fantastic. Thank you guys so much for joining. This has been wonderful. What a fun
0: little chat. Thanks for having us, guys.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse. Horse is hosted by Adam Mamawala and Mike Schubert. Our editor is Misha Stanton. The social media is run by Mike Schubert. The art is by Alison Wakeman. The music is by Bettina Kampomanis. And the website is by Kelly Schubert. Thank you to our producer level patrons, Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Adam Hartwick, Salvatore
3: Testa, Trust the Process, Catherine Lee, Siobhan Ellsbury, Shooby Dooby Doo, Godzilla Got Busy, Steph Curry for three. Bang. Ah, understated. I, I, I like it. He sells seashells, Laurent James, Matt Barger, NBA legend Robert Sacre, No Jazz, No Pizza, Eileen Gazesh, Avatar Kyoshi, Don't Go Chasing Taco. Falls, Anna Borgeli, and our newest producer-level patron, Mitch Chrysler. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram
1: at Horse Hoops, and on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops, because... Horse Hoops did something that offended Shaq, and he got so mad he got him banned from Twitter. Went too far with the beef. You know,
3: it doesn't take that much to get Shaq mad these days, apparently. (laughs) Check out our website, HorseHoops.com, for more of the fun stuff
1: we talked about today. And if you want some sweet bonus content, us turning the three-on-threes into five-on-fives, we've been catching up on those, Adam and I talking about basketball stuff, videos, all sorts of fun content, merchandise like stickers and jerseys, you can head on over to patreon.com slash horsehoops. And also uh, speaking of merchandise, thanks to Multitude for having us as a part of the collective, but also pick up some Multitude merch. If you go to multitude.production slash merch, you can get merch for all the different shows, including ours. We've got Sub nerds, It's basketball shirts. You can get the horse ringtone. We'll be putting up a digital bundle, whole bunch of fun stuff there, all at multitude.productions slash merch. So to close out this episode, we are going to, as always, put our hands in the middle, say something in the count of three.
3: Oh, wait, I've got a perfect one. This episode is gonna come out on February 1st. On that evening, the Bulls and Knicks play their first of a back-to-back. So I think for the first time ever, we do a different phrase on three. I'm gonna go with Go Bulls, you go with Go Knicks. Got it. One, One,
1: two, two, three. three. Go Go Bulls! We are going to be bounding and astounding against the Bulls of Chicago.
3: (laughs) I look forward to it. There's definitely going to be something fun that that Shoops and I do for at least one of those two games. We have
1: to. Something's got to happen. Some sort of stakes. Us watching the game. We'll make something happen. And I look forward to Emmanuel quickly, quickly making a mincemeat of your (laughs) Bulls.
3: (laughs) Uh, See you next time.